0: Just after World War II, the government's spending on pensions in the UK amounted to about 2% of GDP. These days, it's nearer 8%. Almost one in five of us are aged over 65, and that's expected to grow to 21% by 2027. And women have a life expectancy of 83. That's a lot of retirement to fund, and it's just going to get more expensive. Yet pensioners aren't exactly rolling around in untold wealth, are they? So how do we fix the retirement problem? That's today on the Debunking Economics podcast with Professor Steve Keen. I'm Phil Dobby. So a YouGov poll recently showed that almost half of all Brits doubt they're going to have enough to live on in their old age. One third say they'll probably have enough to live off. Uh, It's worse, of course, amongst older people and particularly amongst those who are divorced. In fact. 42% in total reckon they will have to take another job after retirement and reduce their living costs. Only 9% would be able to rely on support from the family. So we've got a a small proportion of people who are happy about moving into old age. Those living off a state pension uh, in the UK get a maximum of £129.20 per week. But of course, many also have a private pension or an occupational scheme that's paid for by their employer you know, if their employer hasn't gone bankrupt in the process, which sometimes happens. And then those who have their own investment portfolio or those who buy a big family home and expect to downsize and live off the difference. So it's a confusing picture, isn't it, Steve, as to how people fund their retirement. But what is the best way? Uh, Is it a a, a safety net, which we sort of have with the, uh, uh, with the, the state pension scheme? And then, of course, we're encouraging private pension schemes as well, and letting people invest it for their future. So we've got this sort of like mixed picture at the moment. Mm-hmm. Is that the best way? It, obviously not, because we've got a
1: high proportion of people saying, "Well, no, we're not going to have enough money in our old age." I no, it's been total total con job. I mean, I've been, I, I was part of the uh, Accord movement back in Australia, the the, uh, the Hawke and Keating government process to. Land, uh, the idea of the accord initially was to get a sort of business and uh, and union compact business union government compact to manage the economy more effectively. It got turned into wage restraint uh, using partially using superannuation to um, make up for for increases in uh, wages, rather than getting a getting a wage rise equivalent to the rate of inflation plus a bit, you got a wage rise less than the rate of inflation and a boost to your superannuation. Mm. Uh, the idea being that it's going to help to uh, help re- reduce inflation in the economy, and the overall impact over time is that wage rises were less than the rate of inflation, and then you had, you know, you got your super, et cetera, et cetera. And that looked great when people were putting money into the stock market back in 1983 when this whole thing began. And between 1983 and 1987, the amount of stock market money in Australia going into uh, superannuation money going into the stock market went from 30% of the stock market to 70% of the stock market yeah. or 30% of total super money to 70% of total super money. And then this the, uh, the stock market crash of the October 1987 occurred, and the index fell by 25 percent in one day, and people's wonderful estimations of their future retirements went out went out down the gurgler, and uh, you know, and, and consequently, ever since then, the pressure has been more and more to move supporting people uh, past working age off the state purse onto the private superannuations and so on, and they all work very well if you're wealthy, if you're earning a large amount of money, if you and wealthy. you know what you're doing on the stock yeah. market, yeah. 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 Yeah, which, which, which means ultimately it's completely failed the initial objective, which was to make sure that the, no matter what your, um, standard, what, what, what your rate. standard of living was as somebody who was working you got left enough to survive uh, when you could no longer work and consequently we're seeing half the population saying they can't survive without working in what's supposed to be their retirement we can
0: understand why uh you know governments want to try and get pensions off their books if we look between about 12 percent of all government spending uh goes on on state pensions if we if we look between 2007 and 2010 12 it increased 28 percent whilst GDP per capita increased by just four and a half percent. Now this is not because pensioners are, we're getting more pensioners, of course it's that we are getting more of them and they they you know they want to see more as well obviously, but you know the state pensions 129 pounds 20 a week as I said, so it's not a great deal of money, but 12 percent of all government spending is going on state pensions, so, so it's a reasonable slug of money.
1: It is, but it's again, there's a sort of thing which the state should be financing because a state that produces its own money has the capacity to run. It's not financially constrained. What you've what you've got is, you know, how do you actually, when you're creating government spending, what do you spend it on? And I think spending on pensioners and students is rather better than spending on armaments, for example, mm. uh, which is where nobody ever questions the defence budget. But, uh, you know, the same story. This, this is money which, uh, which is created by the government spent into existence it's better I think to give it to people like you know, students at one into pensions than the other rather than bureaucrats and rather than people building bombs so it is it is a is a feasible way to distribute the state's money creation capacity. the issue we face is is do we have the physical capacity to hand that much of the you know, GDP over to people who are not working? And the answer should be, yes, we do, because of technological change over time. We've got far more uh, mechanisation, far more efficient energy exploiting systems. Of course, there are issues with those in the context of global warming that I'm not going to ignore, but uh, it it would be feasible to uh, see... The, the capacity of more machines per, per worker, meaning more productivity, meaning that you can make to support a larger non working population. And that should be the sign of a successful society. But it would
0: mean a quantum leap, wouldn't it, in, in spending? So if we said, well, okay, everyone's, you know, let's assume everyone's going to get a state pension. Let's forget about the fact that you invest in your, you know, your own portfolio and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and it all gets done by the private sector, by the financial sector. Um, it, it means a quantum difference. Because, I mean, first of all, you've, everyone gets a state pension. There's more old people. And £129 a week is clearly not enough. So, uh, you, you know, you're talking about maybe doubling the number of people getting a state pension and then, you know, at least doubling the amount that they're getting. If you created that much extra money into the into the money supply, that would be inflationary, wouldn't it?
1: Well, yeah. And, that, and then at the same time, uh, you've, you have – It'd you have an entire industry that's grown up in supporting this stuff, the whole Australia's superannuation income yeah. industry, the finance sector. The real beneficiary of all this stuff has been the finance sector. And, uh, you know, I'm terribly sorry, but I think the finance sector can do with less food. So uh, you'd you'd have a dramatic disruption to the structure of society we've created this way as well, uh, where an enormous amount of money is, is spent on people, you know, Persuading other people to put their money in this fund rather than that fund on past performance. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a conjure order, And I've got you know, colleagues like uh, um, Phil, Philip Seuss and Cameron back in Australia who are saying we should just abolish the superannuation industry uh, and just go back to state pension, which are much simpler and 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 frankly cheaper to administer. But it is a huge change and it of course will be resisted lock, stock and barrel, by the finance sector, which has made so much of its money out of out of manipulating what the pension payments. goes
0: without saying we're going to abolish you how do you feel about that no we don't think that's a good idea of course but yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean people are confused by it all as well yeah. how yeah. many times you know you start a new job you go into a new pension fund you try and roll over pension funds you forget about previous pension funds you've been in there's terms mm. and conditions and costs associated with each and with each rollover uh, you, you read the, uh, the, the product disclosure statements and don't understand it uh, you're paying fees that you don't understand you don't even know what the fees are half the time. I mean, it is a complete con job.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I'm, 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 I'm supposed to be accessing a pension having left the UK education system. I haven't done it yet. You've reminded me. <laughs> I've got a few quid that I might need to get hold of there. But it is so complicated that people just don't have the time to uh, to work it out themselves. And, of course, ultimately when it's inadequate, as you're saying, a large number are saying I've got to work in their retirement. Mm. And I do see so many... Workers who are clearly my age or older, uh, doing you know, uh, working in, in in street cleaning, working on trams and stuff like that, and you think this is a failure to provide for our population as they age, which is not the sign of a healthy society.
0: No, it's not. And if we're spending half our working life paying off our student debt and the other half saving for our retirement, then that's a lot of money that we're not spending on the day-to-day. It's money, basically, we're giving to the finance sector rather than buying stuff and helping companies grow.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it, it, you know, you can see the way it was sold in the first instance. I was, you know, part of the accord. I was, I saw this because the whole idea was we're going to get people to save for their own retirement. So we take that particular activity off the public books. That makes our balance of, uh, our, our, our budget deficit look better because it makes it smaller. So a huge part of the government must run a surplus um, ideology was executed through moving from pensions to superannuation, and then an entire industry grows up living on the fees of this damn thing, and wham, it ends up being utterly different to what the original architects wanted. I mean, Paul Keating was the architect of of superannuation in Australia, and he saw it as being a a wonderful thing for the worker. Well, it certainly hasn't worked out that way. No. How much of
0: this rising share of the finance sector that we've seen, you know, the rising share of the total economy, Mm -hmm. do you think is brought about Mm -hmm. because of this rise in pension investments, because of this... Aging population and also the, this this shift to getting it out out of the state and into the private sector.
1: It's certainly it, it's going to be it's not going to be a hundred percent of the increase in the size of the finance sector but that comes back to the level of private debt as well. But it's got to be something in the order of ten to thirty percent at least, yeah, uh, if not more. And like, you know, the, it just provides an enormous cash flow because, what do you like in Australia this is probably the most clear cut case. You've got roughly ten percent of the wages of all workers. Uh, on a you know on a, on a you know fortnightly basis, being pumped into a finance sector entity, which then is trying to find ways to place that money, um, you know often following exactly the same strategies, um, you know, index funds and stuff like that. So it's an enormous cash flow. Uh, that's a huge part of the existence of the finance sector. Well, I'm sure the finance sector would say,
0: but that's all fine. This money that we get, I mean, it, first of all, it pays our wages and we spend money in the economy, so it's not lost money, and it's investments we make, and we're investing in helping companies grow. So it's, uh, you know, rather that happen perhaps than um, it,
1: it's sitting in a, a government vault somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and then you look at what they put their money and investments into and how much they pay themselves in salaries and, you know, uh, Oh, but they spending in the economy.
0: You know, all these fine oh, yeah. restaurants
1: are, uh, you know, wouldn't be there if it wasn't for I, these people. I, I, you know, I still remember one of, those, one of those moments that seared into your brain when I had uh, dinner with a friend uh, when I first arrived in the UK whose wife I didn't know, so I asked her what she did for a living. And uh, and then it came out in conversation that she was now a school teacher, which she'd taken up to get away from stress in the finance sector, which I laughed at, and she agreed with me. Because uh, it was just as stressful in school teaching. Yeah, more so, a bit I would have thought. While, yeah. Yeah. But she was her salary in the finance sector was thirty times the salary as a school teacher. Yeah, yeah Not that- including her bonus. Now, th- th- that means she was on something of the order of three quarters of a million pounds as a salary. And what you spend out of three quarter million pounds, you buy expensive property, you buy other shares, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, that three quarter if that was uh, spread amongst thirty school teachers rather than one person in the finance sector, there'd be a damn sight more basic spending.
0: Yeah. I wonder whether we are going to see more people going back to state pensions anyway. So because, um, uh, you know, we've got we've got ways that we help through regulation uh, for people to put money into uh, into private pension schemes. So, for example, we say that employers should match the employee's contribution up to a certain Point, and that encourages people to, you know, put money into private schemes. But it only applies to people who work in companies. We've got an increasing gig economy. We've got more freelance workers, who may well be paying nothing into uh, into into private schemes. In the UK, you've got to pay your national insurance. You can't avoid that. Um, but I'm not sure that goes in. Well, supposedly that goes towards your state pension if you've paid it for a certain period of time. You mm. don't get the advantage of the employer helping out, so you, you sort of pay the minimum um because you need that money to live off now and i think there's more and more people living and working like that um you know we're seeing that in the in the employment numbers so maybe this maybe you know maybe it's had its day maybe we are going to see more people relying on state pensions and the government's going to have to do something about it because as i say but in 5 years it increased by 28% so that's going yeah, to I continue know- isn't it
1: I- and you've also got the gig economy stuff. All so the predi- things like superannuation in Australia, and and the and similar, you know, private pension schemes in the rest of the world were predicated on the assumption people would work for for organisations where those those payments were to be made. But once you start treating people as contractors rather than employers, so you and therefore you out. Yeah, you yeah. specifically,
0: specifically doing that so you don't have to make those payments. I mean, that's, that's one of right. the big reasons why they do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then and that just means that well, ultimately, the people who are who don't, if, if you're wealthy, you get a good retirement. If you're poor, you starve, and that's the exact opposite of the objective these things had in the first place of making sure everybody had a comfortable standard of living. So we really do have to design this. It has become chronic, and the more the gig economy, which is just the gig economy, is. Uh, workers being screwed for so, so many words. Um, you know, t- c- cover your own insurance, your own uh, premiums, bring your own capital, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's an appalling uh, development for the masses of the population. But we've got a, we've got a, these th- privatised pension schemes that were brought in largely because of what I've seen in the budget budget constraints. Um, they're really completely abandoning the lower forty percent of the workforce.
0: Before we had privatized schemes companies of course particularly in the uk carried a lot of pension schemes themselves so yeah. they would um they would have that the, their pension liability sitting on their books so they didn't outsource it to a to another company particularly large companies so for example british airways a couple of years back uh their pension liability was about eight billion pounds which is Four years' worth of very good profit for British Airways. In fact, four years, I think, of the best profit they've ever made. Uh, mm. Is there is their pension liability, and obviously companies are trying to offload those liabilities now onto onto private schemes. But it used to be the way that companies would would cover it themselves. But um, I'm not sure is that a, a better way or or a worse way. Um, it's it's I guess it's it's good for the people in those in those schemes unless the company goes bankrupt and we've seen that happen a great deal and those pension liabilities aren't met
1: and often that's the case they have they have liability they don't meet and when they fold those you know the coffers that are supposed to be full of those provisions aren't there and the workers take a hit in their uh, in, in you know, when the company goes under they the workers take a hit in their uh, uh, portfolios for, for for their pensions and this again is. Is you know you've got to call gutless capitalism. You're outsourcing the the costs of maintaining workers onto the workers themselves. When by definition they've got a lower income earning uh, capacity than the than the, the owners. Mm. So it's uh, it, it is uh, it, it's it's a it's becoming a very dangerous element in, in society because if you have what was he what did you say what proportion of the population is saying they would have to work in their retirement over forty percent. Yeah. Uh, That becomes a ground for very, very high levels of dissatisfaction with the existing political system, and you'll vote for whichever bastards are not currently in power, and we're seeing that effect already. We've seen seen it with uh, with the, uh, the rise of UKIP and now the rise of the Brexit Party. Um, this is any, any any way to kick the establishment looks desirable because you are facing a miserable future.
0: Yeah, but I don't think Nigel Farage is going to uh, solve the pension problem. I think
1: he'd privatise you know, everything he
0: possibly can. We may indeed agree on that one, yeah. So um, isn't there also an element in, in all of this? I mean, why we're paying now for something which isn't going to be used for maybe 30 or 40 years, and uh, that doesn't make sense from an economic point of view, does it?
1: And that's, again, some of the arguments against superannuation because uh, when you have uh, 10% of your wage being taken out of, your, out of your pocket before you even get to see it and put aside for your retirement in 40 or 50 years' time, uh, that is a major hit to current aggregate demand. So the whole idea, the, the, again, a lot of the motivation for this move was the high inflation rates of the uh, 19, 1970s and early 1980s, and this was a way of taking stimulus out of the economy Uh, quite deliberately to reduce inflation. Well, now, of course, what are they trying to do? Cause inflation. Mm. So, yes, this is uh, one of the legacies of the fight inflation first policies of the 70s and 80s that are now biting us when we want to fight deflation first instead.
0: And pension schemes are forcing people to make investment decisions when they're not expert investors. Their old age income is being determined by the vagaries of the share market and their ability to play it. And, of course, that pumps more money into the share market. So presumably, you know, that is helping to inflate the uh, the the price of shares as well because it's creating greater demand.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it, it, to, to me, it's ended up with an ineffective system for people's retirement that has inflated the finance sector that's already too big.
0: Yeah. So is the, is, is the answer simply then to say, well, yeah, it's state pension or nothing. Well, you can do what you like, but we're going to make sure that everybody has a has a decent state pension so that you don't feel the the need to play this game.
1: Yeah, I think it's good. It's, it was a mistake to abolish the state pension in the first place and we should go back to it. Well, we've got uh, it, but it's just not very much. And, yeah, that's right. It's fine. It's fine. One hundred and twenty nine pounds. Oh, my God. Uh, for a week. It's just ridiculous. You can't you can you can you can starve to death on that. You can't live on it. Um, so it's it's an appalling and that's what' forces people to have to go and work because they've got an amount of money coming in from the state that was supposed to provide for their old age that uh, that would just keep them in sandwiches and otherwise they've got to be homeless so to get a home they've got to go and work yeah but it's
0: a big sell because to do that if you'd say well okay good state pensions for everybody, um you, uh, you you really are increasing government spending by an inordinate amount, and the way we think at the moment that with the only way we think that can be funded is through increased taxation
1: yeah, and then you get that 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 uh, whole uh, you know the trap that got us into this in the first place, the desire to keep the deficit down. We need a deficit at a, at a reasonable scale, and one way to generate that deficit is to fund the the consumption of those can 't work. Being both students and you know, and uh, and pen- and pensioners, and see that as a part of a way of distributing the overall productivity increase of society that we've seen over time. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, it'll be a huge shift, and um, it's it's going to happen. I think more by a rebellion basis because if that much of the age population, paging
0: pensioners, you are expecting, yeah. expecting they're going to be taking to the taking to the streets in their Zimmer frames by the thousands.
1: We're not too far away from it, mate. So, uh, <laughs> let's not be too facetious <laughs> here. But, uh, but yes, that, that is, that is the, uh, the likelihood more and more activity action by pensioners to fight, uh, you, know, you know, because they are being screwed. Yeah. And, was all done supposedly for their benefit but you know it, it assumed a world in which people making decisions in the finance markets knew what they were doing and they was going to improve i mean you know, give us a break it was all about causing prop- uh, share market bubbles
0: well if you've got a, a, an aging population and that aging population is increasingly uh, on 129 pounds per week if they were on uh, double that then obviously there's a a spin-off benefit for the uh, for the economy in that all of that money is going to be spent. I mean, they're not going to save yeah. it, are they? Because they're, they're, you know, they've got nothing they're, to save for gonna, now.
1: Yeah, and then that, again, we, we're suffering from insufficient aggregate demand. Uh, one of the reasons is pensioners can't afford to shop. Mm. So, yes, it, it's one of those things where it's an obvious way of c- countries are saying, how can we cause a bit of inflation, which is the current dilemma for central banks and treasuries around the world. One is to pay pensioners more money. Yeah.
0: Yeah, which applies actually to people who are on low income as well, obviously. Increased welfare yeah. payments generally, uh, you're, you're going to help boost spending.
1: Yeah. And of course, that's the opposite of what's been done. They've turned these uh, unemployment schemes into ways of punishing the unemployed for being unemployed. Yeah. The well, I
0: mean, the argument, the, I mean, the argument that's often used there, which doesn't apply to pensioners, the argument is, well, we don't want to give you too much money because that's going to be a disincentive for you to go out and find work. But you can't apply that to old, old people. You see, we can't give you too much money because you're going to decide not to be old anymore. You know, I mean, yeah. they're, they're, they're not going to go and work. Uh, so they've got no choice. So why not boost their spending? Indeed. All right, well, cool. It seems simple, doesn't it? It seems obvious, um, and yet we seem to. And yet, uh, I don't know. I wonder whether we. It's plateaued now. The finance sector's taken as much as they can, uh, and uh, and it is going to be wound back simply because the changing nature of the the makeup of the working population. People are not going to be paying as much into these schemes.
1: And it's also the, the the political backlash that's getting more and more extreme because you know gig economy people are looking like they don't have to be sixty five to be worried about your retirement when you're your retirement because if you are twenty five and you're seeing all I've got is my own you know all the stuff has been loaded on me I've got this tiny insecure income and I'm supposed to re- provide for my retirement out of it and you look and think I can't afford to retire I can't afford to buy a house. I can't afford to pay off my student debt. And bang, you end up on the streets protesting about it rather than putting up with it. You Marxist, Jew. come
0: the revolution.
1: Uh, (laughs) uh, But,
0: you know, maybe he was right on this. Uh, Good to talk, Steve. Catch you again very soon. Okay, mate. Bye. And that's the Debunking Economics podcast for this week. Next week, good debt versus bad debt. Is there such a thing? Is there a difference? Or is all debt good? Or is all debt bad? Uh, We'll investigate that question next time on the Debunking Economics podcast with Professor Steve Keen. I'm Phil Dobby. Thanks for listening.
1: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact...